This podcast is about spoilers and discussion. It's also about spooky stuff. You know, any film that we talk about here, we recommend you see in advance. You've been warned. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. What an excellent day for an exorcism. Horror. There is no shortage of monsters to haunt our dreams. Horror. You got red on you. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Hello everyone and welcome to another brand new episode of Oh the Horror. It's a horror movie podcast where we take a look at classic and modern horror films from an expert and a newcomer's perspective. I'm the newcomer Steve Allman. And I'm the expert Rob Holmes. Today we are looking at the 1996 weird old movie from dusk till dawn directed by Robert Rodriguez and written by Quentin Tarantino and Robert Kurtzman. Oh man. So let's let's delve in before we delve into the movie. Let's kind of figure out how this film got made, right? I, I, well, Tarantino was on a hot streak. I'm gonna guess. No, well, yeah, there was yes, but Kurtzman. So he does a lot of special effects, right? Right. Robert Kurtzman. Uh, he works a lot with Howard Berger and Greg Nicotero. This was this. They have uh, KB. Uh, what is it? KBN or KNB is their special effects uh, company. So they work on The Walking Dead and stuff like that. You'll know Nicotero from uh, directing a lot of those episodes. And he actually plays one of the the long-haired biker who threatens Tom Savini. Sex Machine Tom Savini, we all know as being one of the greatest special effects artists of all time. A lot of people will say he is the best. Um, and he he's, you know, an actor in this one, which is really awesome. Uh, it, it's just... It's insane. You also have Howard Berger in this as uh, a tr- the vampire that bites Tom Savini, which is even cooler. And then Lawrence Bender appears in this movie, too, who's the film's executive producer, uh, just kind of in the background at the beginning of the movie. Random cameos for this. Also, uh, it, it, what, but the, the way that this got made, though, was um, Quentin Tarantino uh, was making Reservoir Dogs and needed the ear gag for that done. <clears throat> so basically... He talked with Kurtzman, and I guess they did a trade, and maybe, I guess what the cost would have been was like 1500 or something, so essentially it was what his payment was uh, for writing the screenplay from this idea that um, Kurtzman had. So it's really cool to see that that's how this happened, and then he wanted Kurtzman to direct it, but Kurtzman had other stuff going on, and there was a lot of directors, I guess, that were up for this originally, and Tarantino didn't want to direct, I guess, or what was going to or something. And then he, or he wanted to focus on his acting and just the script. So Robert Rodriguez came in. And uh, this movie got totally crazier. Like, just adding him into it and throwing him in on top of that. And then, you know, it's it's like the casting then from there trying to figure out who you're getting is your lead actor. Apparently there was a ton of people they went through before they got to Clooney. And it's just, I think this role fits Clooney really well. I think it took him out of what everyone expected him to be doing with ER. Cause that was his big thing at the time. So putting him in this type of role was like, it was different. It was big, you know? And then, yeah, yeah. I, I uh, feel, I feel like this, so this movie is really com- perplexing. I, there's a lot, yeah, the, it's, it, there's a lot I, going on, man. If there's a lot going on, and there's more and more things of, like, how did all of this come together where 
George Clooney is very much playing the atypical role of George Clooney roles as we know him for. Um, and I'm more or less certain that he's kind of been making a name for himself at this stage in his career. It's like 96 when this comes it's 96. out. 96. He had done he had done a lot of horror movies back earlier, like Return to Horror High, Return of the Killer Tomatoes. Um, and then he was just doing whatever type of films I guess he could do until he got his breakout role in ER. And then from there, he was trying to do film. He wanted to transition to film because he was doing really well. I think ER had hit whatever season, third or fourth season. I'm not sure what year it came out. But then, boom, yeah, he's just uh, a megastar. But this was such a – it was a different role than what you would expect him to do. And, yeah, exactly, what we see him do now. You don't really see him in this in this type of uh, bad guy role. But, you know, he is like an anti-hero, but at the same time, he's kind of a scumbag. Like, he's really – not a good guy in this. No, but then Quentin Tarantino tr- like ups that so much, man. He just he takes it to a whole new level of being a scumbag in this role. This and, whole I mean this whole movie is kind of indicative. I mean Robert uh, yeah. like uh, Robert Rodriguez uh he, to me he strikes me as just like a 14-year-old that got to make movies. <laughs> and I don't mean that to be so demeaning as it sounds, but it a lot of his movies are very much just like, oh man, like late teenager Steve would love these types of movies where it's just like a bunch of dudes with guns in the desert and they're cursing and they're kidnapping people and they're killing vampires and they don't give a shit about anything. And it's like, there's this weird sort of over the top adolescent mentality with a lot of his movies that like work. They work in a good way and it's just weird to see that mixed with Quentin Tarantino's words coming out of that mouth because they're two very different but kind of complementary styles, I would say. Oh, no, I think I think they're totally complementary styles because they work together on a lot of stuff. Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez, uh, I mean, this kind of really formed that friendship between them. I, I, would, I think they've, they've worked on a few things probably to, together because Quentin Tarantino did have a role in Desperado, um, which was fantastic. I love Desperado. That's my favorite Robert Rodriguez film by far. Again, I think completely it is. over I, the top and uh, you know what? He, but he, he does great. it. He does it with panache and in the way that they did the squibs, just loading up the shotguns with just blood packs and hitting people that way. It was it was cheap and inventive. And the fact that he did El Mariachi before that to get his name on the map for next to nothing. I mean, the budget was literally next to nothing, and. <clears throat> made a movie that you know you watch it and you're like okay this is definitely an independent film but it's a it's pretty good independent film and it's essentially desperado is almost like a remake of that in a way it's it's different but similar in a lot of ways um and then once upon a time in mexico people like i don't like i think a lot of robert rodriguez's stuff later on just got a little too <clears throat> goofy and cheesy for me and i know it went very family friendly because he's got kids, and that's cool, whatever. Mm-hmm. Spy Kids um, legend, of course. Yeah, and I, you know what I actually really like? I like the faculty, despite the fact there's a ton of CG in that. It's a right. fun, goofy film. It's not really goofy. Well, it, it's just a fun movie. It's it, a fun it is, alien it's fun, it's over film. the top. And it's, like, it, it was like he took basically My Teacher is an Alien, those books, and said, "Cool, we're gonna make a movie out of it." And it was done by Kevin Williamson. He he did Scream, so he was you know on the popular or on his riding the wave of that um, into that film. And this was kind of the film that was in between 
um, Desperado and the faculty from Dust Till Dawn. It's weird because it's almost like watching this transition from him. As you said, it is almost like a 14-year-old in a, in a way because you're watching this transition from Desperado, which is like fun but kind of serious. You're hitting from Dust Till Dawn, which is, to me, it's really serious for the first half because it's a crime drama that ends up being very Tarantino until an hour into the movie vampires just out of nowhere appear. Yes. And out of, this like if you, had, if you had never seen the trailer for this film... You would have no idea. No, 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 no. And there's no part of this movie that indicates that this would be this type of movie. Nope. Almost borderline 45 minutes in. Like, this begins it is, yeah. and in, in enters its first and second act as a kind of down-and-out, weird Tarantino movie of just, like, desperation of these two thieves and criminals that are trying to find their way out of the country and out of Mexico. Or out to Mexico, yeah. and yeah, they're trying to get to El Rey, and that's that's their thing. Like that's yeah. that is the goal for them. Um, and then it is literally the one hour point. This movie is an hour and forty eight minutes. At right at one hour, at least when I was watching this last night or a couple nights ago on Netflix, um, right at that point, I'm like, holy crap! Like just boom. Then we see a vampire finally. Right. And it it's is, completely it's out of nowhere. Yep. It's it, because you like it, in between all of this, we have just basically a collection of thank God T Tarantino knows how to like write an interesting scene to get you to where you need to be. Because oh, yeah. every, like at the time, it always seems redundant with what the way Tarantino seems to write a scene together where there's full of these like anachronistic details that don't seem to matter and a lot of things are just done for the sake of style and just introducing some one character trope that like we didn't need to know that he's just like a sex pervert and like is completely fucked up in the head but uh that's the way tarantino writes and you know what it, the, it, it we... helps so much for the movie though because it, it's you now end up with layered nuanced characters that if anyone else wrote this film, it would just be a regular. It would be a forgotten horror film that no one would talk about. Yeah, no, it it would. Um, and a as it goes to this more, uh, insane over the top version, uh, just the club called the Titty Twister. It's it goes full on Rodriguez, and it just almost starts to completely ignore this Tarantino influence because it like the movie is chopped in half and becomes this cartoonish, uh, Robert Rodriguez, uh, like, you know, madness. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing is like, it's only, we're saying Robert Rodriguez, but he was only brought in there to direct off of a full Tarantino script, you know? Right. And it feels and that's the, that's, really weird that's sometimes. The, but that's the thing is he's taking this off of, uh, Robert Kurtzman's story. So you're let's let's really take Rodriguez out of this and focus on Kurtzman. You know, this is the beginning. Like K and B has been around for a while doing the special effects stuff. This was a story idea he had, and now it was coming to life. You know, and Tarantino was doing like giving him the story that he wanted. You know, and give, putting that out there. And it's then you have the stylistic approach of Rodriguez which you know you're in for something that's going to be over the top. 
And I think that's exactly what they wanted, and that's what we got. And it is, I mean, the titles from Dusk Till Dawn, that's the whole idea behind, like, I guess those late-night movie stuff. So, like, I was reading about, you know, doing some trivia stuff. And they were saying, yeah, it was like a From Dusk Till Dawn type of of old-school Grindhouse films. And, you know, they did Grindhouse later on in 2007, which, man, one of the most underappreciated films I I have to say because I remember seeing it in theaters and people just walked out after the first film not realizing it was a double feature. Right? Like, and people it, were yeah. just like, all right, well, we're done now. I guess we just missed no, that they, whole part they of thought, it. No, they thought Planet Terror was it, and they were like, that's it, and they just walked out, and I'm like, you guys don't you don't get what this it's, is. It's a throwback to the, the double feature. Like, it's a whole Dude, thing. they didn't read. The trailers told what it was. All the marketing and mer- all of that explained what this was, what you were getting into, but no one, I would say 90% of the audience at the theater I was at, like walked, they had no idea that there was a second film. Some people came back <laughs> in because they were like, wait, what's going on? And it's like, do you guys not read? Are you all, are you illiterate? Like, what's going on? Well, and that's the kind um, of, that's the kind of sentiment that both Rodriguez and Tarantino really like to bring to these movies. And I see it a lot yeah. in Dusk Till Dawn because... When they get into like when they go into the set of the it's a dungeon like this place is just straight up a a a weird sex dungeon with a bar at it. Um, Well, it's not really because you realize what this is. You know, it's an old ancient Aztec temple, right? And the bar is the top floor. And that's what's so cool is you go in there and you're just thinking this is this is pure debauchery. This is the epitome of debauchery. Um, You have Cheech Marin. Out in front. Oh. He's in this movie three times, by the way. Three different people. Yeah, no, three different characters. Uh, all great fun. <laughs> all like, all great. He's border security. not necessary for him to be here three times. No, but it's so good. Um, well, they were saying that Eric Estrada was supposed to be the third oh, character. Oh, damn it. That would have be been, a, been so fun. At the end. Like, the guy who he meets with. Um, but I guess, I don't know. Stuff always, doesn't always work out in film. And... Cheech Marin comes back, but Cheech Marin is the guy who's just standing out of the bar talking about pussy and it's the, every it's the type pussy riff, that they the have. Pussy riff. If we don't get, if we don't got it, you don't want it. Like I, I bet yeah. you dollars to donuts that's they, they didn't even write that. Like they're just like okay, like just go and you know what? Went. I don't know because this is I can see Tarantino writing this and Cheech doing this exactly as scripted. <laughs> I mean, either it, way, it, it, like, I, mean, I, I just, it's just really the way something it's to behold. Going, <laughs> oh, it totally is. But I see it as something where Quentin Tarantino was probably just going off on a tangent. Oh, clearly. And then just oh, absolutely. had a recorder on as he's just speaking this out loud somewhere and then just took his recorder and just, you know, wrote it down afterwards and was like, yep, this is it. This is, this is what we're doing. And it's. It's so absurd and ridiculous and over the top. But then he's talking about pieces of put, and I'm like, this is so weird that you're calling it pieces. But people do that, right? I... But then, as you're watching the film later on, and you realize this is a, you know, a vampire bar where they kill bikers and truckers that come through. Part of me is wondering, okay, is this legit? Like, do they really just they eat people, right? They tear into them. So when he's talking about buying pieces, he's, is he talking to other vampires being like, no, you can eat, you, like, literally eat these? I, I, I'm guessing so. And it's actually, not that yeah. you mentioned it, there's, like, a, a fairly de- kind decent, of horrifying. Bit of, de- decent bit of nuance where it's like, this bar is for bikers and 
truckers only and it's kind of just to itemize the victims so that they know that like these are types of people that won't really be looked for they won't yeah be... and he's there he's like giving them the opportunity to leave and when they insist that they're truckers and they push yeah. it when harvey Keitel, who <laughs> plays a good guy in this which is such a strange it's transition so weird because su- he's just a like a nice dad he's like a nice preacher dad and i think it works it's it's a really nice thing to see Keitel do that when you're used to seeing Harvey Keitel just go batshit crazy all the time. But no, I, I like, really really like yeah. that. Um, and then we have uh, a, a startlingly young and dare I say handsome uh, Danny Trejo at the, manning the bar. Uh, yeah, it's, it's yeah, which was very strange. It, like, yeah, you know what? He's like, you know how old he is? He's like fifty, dude. He was like He's, fifty. He is not 50 when he's playing in Dude, you know he's 70-something now, right? And that's only been 20-some years. Wow. He was in jail. I think he was in jail until he was in his 30s or something, like, for various things. He had – I'm not exactly sure the specifics, but I know he was in jail for a while and then got into acting afterwards. That is insane. Yeah, and, I mean, it's it's, – he was in great shape for that. I mean, it's really crazy because he was in Desperado the year earlier, and he always – a lot of the times in those uh, in Robert Rodriguez's films, he plays that type of knife wielding character. Whether it's uh, you know the guy in Desperado in this one, or later on Machete and Machete Kills, uh, it's yeah. I mean he's he's made quite a name for himself, which is it's. Awesome. I mean, good for him. He's, he's what a legend. He's an icon. Yeah. I and I'm, so uh, so some of these real quick, like some of the other random character, random actors who are in this. We got John Hawks. Um, who's an amazing character actor. He's the guy in the beginning of the movie at Benny's World of Liquor uh, who they set on fire and still jumps up and keeps shooting at them, which is such a cool moment that he just doesn't die immediately from catching on fire, how in most movies they do. This, you know, had a little more fun with it. Um, We also have randomly John Saxon appear absurdly random there's like and why but the weirdest one is (laughs) kelly preston she was the reporter who is talking to she's the newscaster talking to john saxon that's an this is an insane movie of just like who are we putting in this all of these casting decisions had to be like industry like picks of okay we're like we like this person it's people it's people that work with before because so so you also had you also had tarantino just came off of um he had just come off of Pulp Fiction, so he had just worked on that, and he had worked with a lot of these people. So I guess he'd worked with John Travolta. Travolta's married to Kelly Preston. Very That's true. how you get her in this. Michael Parks is in this, which is insane. He plays the Texas Ranger at the yeah, beginning. Yeah, yeah. Also in Kill Bill. In. Yeah, and he's in a ton of films, and he, apparently he plays, I think, this character, Earl McGraw, at least the name of this character in, like, four of his movies. Yeah, and it's just weirdly passed on from movie to movie, which I think is actually kind of cool. Um, well, it's the same It's the same as, like, Dick Miller has the um, one character that he keeps doing over and over and over and over that he just keeps appearing as this one character in multiple movies, uh, just name only. Um, and then you have Fred Williamson. The cast is insane in this movie, man. And it's it like, and not even really, it, it's not really a flex for any of these cast members. It's not to really show off their chops and like be an ode to the films that they were once in. It seems to be they're like the people that made these films 
really like these people and like we're, we need to get you on camera for this project like that's all, like we really want you here and like i'm cool with it like they're just like okay here's a rogues gallery of every person that we liked and was available and they're just gonna have fun and fight with some vampires which by the way we are almost like halfway done with this and let's talk about the fact when this turned into a horror movie because we've just about spent enough time of it being a movie movie now it actually needs to get into the meat and potatoes here uh yeah vampires it's very it's it's so jarring because you're you're at that moment where tensions are rising at this bar and you're expecting it to be a survive it is a survival film you're expecting it to turn into a survival film of oh no they went to the wrong bar and now they're gonna have to fight off these insane people as crazy shit starts going down, um, and then Salma Hayek turns into a vampire. Mm-hmm. And After the, uh, doing this really sexy dance and and pouring whiskey like, into the mouth or of whatever Tarantino down her leg foot. into yeah. Tarantino's mouth, it's a very strange moment, and then turns into a vampire. That happens, and then Tarantino gets bitten. Here's what I'll say. You're just like, These have to be one of the most wildly inconsistently designed vampires in a movie that I've ever seen. Because almost every single one looks different. And Well, so I hers really... is, she's supposed to be like the head, essentially. Like the head sure. vampire. Um, or at least from what it seems like. She's, uh, what is it? Santanico Pandemonium. Yeah, like this demon queen and, vampire. Kind yeah, of yeah. And so, like, in the TV series, they go more into her character and stuff like that because they really go into the lore of everything behind From Dusk Till Dawn. And I guess they go into more stuff in the sequels, which are technically prequels. Um, so this movie, you know, this film definitely had has more stuff going on with it than just this first film. But, yeah, when we get to the design of these vampires, everyone kind of looks a little different. They kind of were like... It almost seemed like they told them, you know what, what type of stuff do you want to make? What type of design work do you want to do? And they just went crazy with it. Right. Because like some of them like were weirdly reminding me of like the, like the pre- what would be like precursors to like Buffy style makeup where it's just like elongated faces and like hard frowns and stuff like that. And others where like they're scaled, they look like lizards and stuff like that. And others that were... Like, like one of them turned into like a rat. What looked like at some point, like it, it yeah, was wildly and odd and different, which looked good. But I was like, what, what are we working with here? Like, there was so many. But I different think variations. I think that's that's something that's really interesting. I haven't seen from Dust Till Dawn the series. I'm sure they probably go into that. But when you look at different lore and if it's based off of any actual lore, there are different variations of, you know, those type of mythical creatures i guess yeah oh for Um, sure or supernatural creatures i guess is the best way to put it supernatural creatures that coexist so having these strange variations and especially if they're so if they're ancient um man who knows it's it's i i don't know i find this movie fascinating because there's a lot of questions that i have and now i want to watch the tv series to find out more because i i saw from dusk till dawn 2 texas blood money in 99 and i hate that movie i don't like it i think it's it, bad think well it's, here's I the thing i there's there never really seemed to be a a question as to like what we're dealing with i never was like oh let's explore the the myth and the lore of what's going on i think it's more of just like this is a just a random whole, like these guys just came to the wrong place at the wrong time and 
they just stumbled into a little old like vampire hideout. And yeah, but as I'm watching it, I want to know more because the, when they get into that first, when they get into the the small area of the temple, like behind the main door, and there's God, man, there's it is insane. Like I I now understand why they made the vampire gore green. Because there's no way that they could have gotten away with doing all this red. And I know that there's supposed to be a producer or a work print cut out there that is fully uncut, which I guess the original scenes for this went on. That bar scene went on for a very long time. Oh, where they're just killing people? So much violence, apparently. I'd imagine so, because the the amount of violence that that was in this is, like, wildly absurd. It's, it's so good. So and that's what's great. Like it's such a fun movie. It doesn't it doesn't pull any punches. You know, they are willing to kill people off. They don't care. They'll bite people. They'll turn quickly. Maybe they won't turn quickly. Who knows? It, it doesn't need um, to ma- really make sense because the movie is like I was telling a friend of mine like this movie has its own fun and is only concerned with having its own fun and if you just so happen to have fun along with it then great because it's not making an effort for you uh it's really just like all right we're here with vampires now let's like fucking blow some shit up like it isn't gonna make sense really at all uh and we're gonna have just like like kind of just daisy chain these little bits of character moments just to get out of the situation and then we're having our fun and then we're getting out uh and there's there's something to be said about that like that's there's beauty in that kind of simplicity there's nothing wrong with that at all um you know george clooney chewing up the scenery as as he can i i dig it it's it's something that i that's very much not made and it's very much something that uh movies nowadays would try to make more serious or more uh Tone dialed back for the sake of a, uh, I guess you could say, established plot line or an established lore, rather than just wanting to have its fun. I mean, it's 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 just a. It seemed like everybody just got together, yeah, and made the movie that they wanted to make. It's a it's a grindhouse film. It's you know it's a drive-in type movie. All it's lacking is the filter. You know, I mean, you even have you even have Tito and Tarantula in this. You know, as themselves as the Titty Twister house band. You know. And then they're, well, not as themselves, but as the band, and then playing body parts halfway through. Like, once they turn, immediately they have body guitars. I'm like, did they just craft those quickly, or did they just have those behind them? You know, it doesn't matter. It's awesome. Were they, were they, were uh, they body parts the whole time, and were they under a spell or some kind of something? Like, who, it was, who and, knows? And then, like, when, when the entire bar is blown up, like, the band is left, and they're just like, nah, fuck you, we're blowing ourselves up. And, like, they, yeah. they just explode for no reason? Like, what? It was, it, it was just great. But then when you watch... When you watch films like Planet Terror, this this works in that same vein. Um, and now I'm looking at something that says originally Universal considered this to be a follow-up for Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight as the second Tales from the Crypt film, uh, but went with Bordello. But apparently they went with Bordello of Blood instead, which is not good. It's not good. Um, it's not. It, it's Dennis Leary try or not Dennis Leary. Dennis Miller. Sorry. Whew. Oh, Dennis boy. Leary did Man, pretty well. Dennis, Dennis Leary. Leary? <laughs> that would have been amazing if Dennis Leary had been in that. It w- I think it would have done well. It was Dennis Miller trying acting. It didn't work well. Leading role? No, no, no. I mean, you know, he tried. Yeah. 
Props to Dennis Miller, I guess. But, like, I mean, you know, this this could strike me as... This could fit into the canon of something that would be, like, a Tales from the Crypt. Like, it's... I mean, it has an old EC Comics feel. It really does, because EC Comics, the stories were very serious in the beginning. A lot of them dealt with crime-type stuff. And then there would be the twist. There was the the one about the vampires in there, too, where... uh, they end up at a bar actually that is run by vampires i think it's yeah it, it's um, a it, it's a it's a nice little and they end up getting tapped at the end like a keg <laughs> oh yeah 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 uh, it, it's yeah. a nice little plucked story that can have a you know beginning and an end and speaking of a great ending like it's got that amazing like matte painting shot of just like the exposed canyon of the temple just with a yep. graveyard of trucks and bodies and demon it's so wings. Good. It just it's looks... so cool. And that's where that's where immediately I wanted to know more. And you've you know, you it's you know, it's this ancient Aztec temple, you want to know about the lore. And then, you know, if you really delve into ancient, I guess, Aztec lore, you, you can find out, I guess, more about the variations of these uh vampires. Um Man, this movie is crazy. It, the fact that it exists kind of blows my mind because when I think about it, I'm like, this just, it seems like such a insane film. It's Quentin Tarantino acting in a film with, uh, you know, George Clooney and Keitel and Juliette Lewis, which we haven't even talked about. She's great, great in this as well. She's putting on um, that, like, really funny, like, southern accent that, like, doesn't really work, but you're like, ah, oh, this is fun. Yeah, but it was what she did in a lot of her early films. That's kind of the way like very cape fear um but this yeah i i love this movie i think it's a i think it's a really fun film there's some backstory stuff you have fun characters played by people who you normally wouldn't expect to see in these roles and you get to see tom savini actually use a bullwhip and it's really cool i it's he's a he's a surgeon with that whip which is crazy yeah <laughs> um yeah and then he, he just gets his head popped off by it it's really really fun Oh yeah, it's it's great. And the uh the gun, the little like uh cock gun basically, the cod piece gun that pops up that he's got, which seems impractical to me cuz I'm like how does that thing even fire? The barrel's in the center and you got I mean, let's your... not talk about guns that like don't make sense. Like literally the relationship between George Clooney and his 44 is just like, okay, cock the cock the gun. Okay, now uncock it. Cock the gun. Now uncock it. Cock the gun. Now uncock. Like it's just every time that he needs to make a threat, just like recock the gun, and it's it just got absurd at some point. Or I'm like, you're not even like I wouldn't even take your threat seriously. Like you're just saying this to say it. Like, and that was kind of bringing me back to the like adolescent nature of this, where you're just like you're just you have a gun to hold a gun at some point sometimes and this is just kind of he's just wild like throwing it about because he has it and uh again it sounds like i'm coming down on like the sentiment of this movie but i'm really not it's just more of the rodriguez absurdity that i kind of (laughs) like um but it's good like we i mean yes to a recommend from me for absolute madness and absurdity at, at a random point in a film that does not let up it's good yeah, I mean, it's a definite recommend from me. Um, it's just a weird film, man. Starts starts really solid and just finishes solid as well. And that that switch of genres, I I would love to show this movie to someone who is who knows nothing about it, who has no idea what they're getting into, just to see what they think. Yeah, and I and oddly enough, it's a uh, 
it, it has that Tarantino turn of just like, all right, every shit hits the fan, and now this is the whole movie. And uh, I think in true fashion, like Rodriguez and Tarantino, it, it, it delivers for sure. Um, it's a definite recommend for me. I, uh, I think it's more if you like things that will get over the top, absurd, uh, like borderline offensive at some points it's uh it's it's good uh <laughs> like borderline offensive dude it's totally very offensive, offensive at some very, points. Very i mean it gets extremely offensive and that's what makes this movie great it it is willing to go there doesn't really apologize for anything or let up at any point it is quentin tarantino being quentin tarantino and robert rodriguez being robert rodriguez and B doing exactly what they want to be doing on the special effects department. So yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a great film. Um, I need to actually check out the TV series now. So I'll do that, you know, pretty soon. Um, and see if that's any good. Cause I got three seasons on the L Ray network. Speaking of where they were going to, but also the L Ray network was created by Robert Rodriguez. So, Hey, there's that. <laughs> there you go. Well, that yeah. is going to do it for us this week on Oh the Horror. What are we going to be having to do next week, Rob? Oh man, we're uh, so we're going to take a look at PG thirteen horror, early P- well, kind of early PG thirteen horror. Um, we've already done the Monster Squad, but we're going to take a look at nineteen eighty seven's The Gate, starring Stephen Dorff. I know literally this... nothing about this movie. Cool, I, this is a good movie. Um, it is. Kind of crazy that this movie is actually PG thirteen. Yeah, because it came out some of the stuff that happens in it. Just sort of figuring out what PG thirteen was. It was in the first uh, three years of the, you know, of the rating being out because yeah, it didn't even come out until nineteen eighty four, with Red Dawn, uh, I think being the first one, and then yeah, this is like three years and whoo man, I. I don't know. Maybe it still can be considered PG thirteen, but to me, what I see is PG thirteen now. Like this, this kind of pushes what you could do. Um, but it's fun, so definitely check it out if you haven't seen it. Um, and if you have, yeah, that's what we'll be talking about next week. So, all right. Well, thank you guys so much. Uh, that'll do it for us this week. Thank you guys so much for listening and watching and supporting the show. Uh, we can be found pretty much anywhere on the internet. You could uh, email us at ohthehorrorcast at gmail.com. All the socials, pretty much ohthehorrorcast. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook. If you look for us, you'll find us uh, at Rob Holmes. Uh, Holmes Invasion is where you can find most of our stuff there as well. Um, am, I miss- am I missing anything, Rob? You usually do this. <laughs> uh, no, I think that's about it. I mean, you know, make sure to leave some reviews. Tell your friends. Uh, because the more people who listen, the better, just the better. I mean, yeah, the we, board, we like the numbers to be higher because it just looks good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, that'll do it for us this week. But, um, anyway, check out some of our older episodes. If you are looking for a horror movie that you're like, man, I hope they would do this. We might have, we have a catalog of about 80 episodes. So definitely take a look at that at ohthehorrorcast.com. But for this week, I've been Rob Holmes. And I'm Steve Altman. And we'll talk to you soon. Look at me, Damien. It's all for you. Now, it is time to keep your appointment with the Wicker Man. When there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk here.